Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night when I am recording this. Following a, an interesting news day for the Nuggets, something that I was privy to, at least the information I, I had kind of heard in the back channels, uh, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, and Monte Morris, all reportedly outside of the Orlando bubble. Uh, some of this was stuff that you, you could probably piece together just based off of the, the pictures that were being taken at Nuggets practice over the last couple of days. Uh, but some of it's surprising. It's it's always surprising to hear that a starter in Gary Harris and three major rotation players and Porter, Craig, and Morris aren't at the bubble on top of Nikola Jokic officially. Uh, but playing the photo gallery game, uh, I don't think those are the only five players who the Nuggets have had unavailable to them over the last couple of days. They probably joined P.J. Dozier, Vlako Chanchar, and Keita Bates-Diop as well. Uh, it's very possible that all of those guys just haven't been pictured. Uh, maybe they're in the building, maybe they're in the quarantine, and they're getting ready to start practice tomorrow. Uh, but it's no surprise. It's no surprise, in my opinion, that the Nuggets canceled practice on Monday. Uh, that wasn't initially in the cards, but they decided to do it because if those guys are all gone, the Nuggets had two guards, one wing, three true power forwards, and three centers at their disposal. And there's just not a lot of of significant work that can get done in those situations when you don't have all of your players available. So. It's going to be interesting to see how the Nuggets handle that. Um, we'll talk about the implications of certain players not being in the bubble. But after that, we're going to be going through each individual player on the roster because I think it's important that we revisit some of these guys, what they have on the line for this Orlando experience. And we'll get into some numbers with some of these guys at the tail end of this. But Let's get into the, the implications of some of these players not getting into the bubble right now. Because the Nuggets are most likely going to be behind the curve when it comes to having all of their rostered players against other teams so that they can prep for the games, prep for the playoffs. If it is true that only nine players are in the bubble right now and there are potentially eight that are not currently there or haven't been practicing... It's a big deal. It's a big deal for the preparation standpoint. Uh, the Nuggets probably haven't been able to go five on five yet. Um, even if coaches jump in and we've seen video and, and photos of Michael Malone and Tim Connolly getting involved in some of these drills, uh, which I thought was very interesting. But so much of Denver's energy so far and from what we understand has been spent getting players into the bubble safely. 
After that, they will start working on what they need to work on. Uh, Mark Bartlestein, Michael Porter Jr.'s agent, he said in a Sirius XM interview on Monday that MPJ would be traveling to Orlando in the next day or two. So when you listen to this, it's very possible that Porter could be on the way to Orlando. It's very possible that it could be Wednesday. It's still possible that he could have had an erroneous test and he could be moved back even further than that. Um, but I still think it's good to hear because he's at least in the process. They're at least in the process of getting him to the Orlando bubble. Uh, he will have to quarantine for 36 to 48 hours after that. And that's where this starts getting dicey because there is a process to this. There's a process in getting these players into the bubble safely. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of negative tests. That's a big deal. These players all have to have a quarantine for 36 to 48 hours. They have to have two negative tests when they're isolating at home. They have to have two negative tests when they go to Orlando. Um, meaning that the soonest a player like MPJ could practice with this team, if he gets into the bubble on Wednesday, let's say, uh, the soonest he could practice with the team is July 17th on Friday or July 18th on Saturday. Uh, the Nuggets play their first exhibition game on July 22nd. So if you're doing the math, that's not a lot of time for Michael Porter Jr. to get involved with the Nuggets and their practices. Now, it's it's not necessarily a concern for MPJ, but it could be a concern for every other Nuggets player that's not currently in the bubble. We haven't heard from any of these guys. And until we see pictures and photographical evidence of those guys in Orlando, I'm just going to continue assuming that they're not there. That's all you really can do unless you get a unless you get empirical data that they are. So the Nuggets will have their first exhibition game on July 22nd. Their first real game is on August 1st. That's 10 days after that. So technically the earliest that Porter is likely going to be able to have some warm-up time is about two weeks before the Nuggets play a real game. The Nuggets are going to be behind the curve. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, he, a lot of these guys may not be in game shape. My, uh, Jamal Murray said as much on Saturday night that, hey, if anybody's actually in game shape, then they were doing something that they probably shouldn't be doing during the quarantine period, and I kind of agree with him. In order to be in game shape, you have to play games, you have to play five-on-five, five, and you probably weren't supposed to do that before any of this process. So, but... We're going to see what happens with the rest of this roster. We're going to see what happens with all these guys and whether they'll be physically and mentally ready to contribute to a playoff rotation. The Nuggets may just have to treat their first couple of games as of the seeding games as exhibition games to get everybody engaged. Remember, Nikola Jokic is still not there. Nikola Jokic is still trying to get cleared, trying to figure out how to get back onto the court. Um... Seeding may not matter to this team as much as it does to other teams because I think the Nuggets, they really just, they feel like they're championship contenders and they know that they have to beat the best in order to be the best themselves. But it may matter in a first round series if they get the team that they didn't want to play. Let's say they don't want to play the Houston Rockets. I can understand that perspective given that James Harden has given them trouble. If they don't want to play the Houston Rockets, but they get matched up with the Houston Rockets because they lost too many games. 
in the first round or in the seeding games, and then they lose in the first round. That's a that's a losing situation. That's a really tough place to be. And if the Nuggets go out in the first round of these playoffs, then I, I think that's a disappointment, despite the fact that this team's circumstances with this bubble, they're probably the team that has some of the least pressure in terms of proving who they are in this bubble environment. Teams know who they are, and they're still a young team. I think that's it's very clear to say. Jokic is 25, Murray's 23, Porter's 22. They, they still have a lot of young talent that has to age and, and let's just say, grow more mature. Um, but they aren't the only team that's been affected by this. Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat, he's also rumored to not be in the bubble quite yet. And he's a star for the Miami Heat, who the Nuggets open against in their first seeding game on August 1st. So that's at least something to monitor going forward. Kawhi Leonard was late to the bubble but got in. Uh, Russell Westbrook tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, we're going to see how long it takes for him to get in. Uh, haven't heard anything about James Harden yet. Uh, that could change in the morning. But there are a lot of teams that are also dealing with these problems that the Nuggets are dealing with. But it feels like the Nuggets are, are one of the teams that's most affected by it for sure. Um, that's a tough situation to be in. It's going to test the Nuggets a lot. It's going to give them a lot of... Uh, of tough situations, I think, but that's something that they're, that's not really in their control anymore. They have to deal with the obstacles as they come and we're going to see what they can do and which of these rostered players deserve to, to get another look next season. When we come back, we're going to talk about every member of the roster in two different segments. We're going to talk about what every Nuggets player has to gain or lose in the Orlando bubble. We'll be back. back nuggets numbers ryan blackburn here flying solo i don't know if you guys heard today but we hired a new writer to contribute to denver stiffs his name is quinton alberti he was formerly or he was of nug love he's been around and covering different teams over the course of his life uh, spent some time with the cleveland cavaliers spent some time with the atlanta hawks currently lives in georgia uh, great guy excited to have him on uh, he's going to be kind of an analysis guy like myself, but he, he can provide some long-term and short-term perspective for this roster. So I'm excited to have him. He, he should be writing over the course of the next couple of days. But if you're interested, go give him a follow. Give him some encouragement. It's nice to have him on the staff, and we're going we're gonna to be happy he's there because uh, we're about to have a lot of content, and, and I'm excited for it. But it's going to be stressful, to be clear. Let's talk about these roster players. Let's talk about these guys. Uh, I've broken down every single player into five categories for these Nuggets. And we're going to talk about the first three categories here and the last two categories in segment three. The first category is roster spot guys. These are guys that may or may not be on an NBA roster at the start of next season. But the next few months, they're going to have an opportunity to change that, whether it's with the Nuggets, whether it's with somebody else. Uh, these guys, and there's three of them here, Noah Vonley, Troy Daniels, and Tyler Cook. All three of these guys were healthy. They showed up to the bubble. 
Uh, that's a really good sign. They want to put in the work. They want to prove that they deserve to be in the NBA. And I think that they probably do. Troy Daniels is a long-term veteran. He's been around the block. He knows how to do all of this. He's been in and out of good rotations in the past. Uh, Spent some time with the Lakers this year. He hasn't really shot it well, and he's getting a little bit older. Uh, But I don't really have a strong opinion on him. He's always been a lethal shooter for sure. Uh, If he comes into a game and really proves that he can make a difference with his shooting then teams will want him. The Nuggets may want him going forward. So if he can provide some veteran perspective for this Nuggets group, that's a that's a win for sure. Um, I like Noah Vonley as kind of an extra big man on this roster. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that plays a major role. Uh, if I were the Nuggets, I'd be really interested in bringing Noah Vonley back and have him compete with Bull Bull and have those two guys push each other for that backup center spot next year. Uh, that doesn't include Mason Plumley, and I'll give I'll I'll get to him in a little bit. But those two guys, Noah Vonley, Bull Bull, I'll talk about Bull Bull in the next segment. Uh, Vonley feels like the guy that would really be a high effort player, has some great rebounding talent, has some good physical tools as well. He could be a guy who pushes the rest of the roster to be better. And that's what you want from your roster spot guys, from your guys who are kind of on the end of the bench, not necessarily getting into the game all the time, but there's definitely an opportunity for them to push everybody else uh, and make a roll out of that. So I like that from him. He's proven he can play. I think that he would fit with this team going forward, but we're going to see. We're going to see what he does over these next couple of months. Um, Or maybe we won't. I don't know. Uh, As for Tyler Cook, he probably doesn't have the physical tools to stick around this team long-term. The Nuggets signed him because they needed a 17th player. They wanted to have another guy, another body on their roster just in case there were injuries, just in case there was coronavirus outbreak. He would be a guy that they are familiar with, that they understand his work ethic, who the kind of player he is. They wouldn't have brought him back a second time if they didn't trust him, if they didn't think highly of him. So I think he has the opportunity to work hard. Then he could stick around for sure. Uh, we're going to see. I, I don't know enough about his game to really give much more than that. But he does seem like a player that could make a major proving ground in in a couple of the exhibition games, as well as maybe a couple of the seeding games that the Nuggets don't necessarily take too seriously. Or maybe Paul Millsap isn't ready, or, or Jeremy Grant isn't ready, and they need another guy there. Next category is the end-of-rotation contributor category. These are the guys who they either didn't play this year or played very little. They weren't a part of the main picture, but they're trying to be part of the main picture going forward. The guys are Keita Bates-Diop, Vlatko Chanchar, Bull Bull, and P.J. Dozier. Uh, starting with Bates Diop, he was a guy that they acquired from the Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez trade. Uh, kind of an end of bench guy who has good physical tools. Profiles as a guy who could really be a good bench forward. Uh, I see him as a guy who could play next to Michael Porter Jr. or Jeremy Grant. Uh, maybe even Paul Millsap if Paul Millsap is coming back. But Bates Diop is a 6'7, 6'8, 230 pound. A uh, good physical profile guy, seven foot three wingspan, makes a lot of sense as 
a guy who plays a smaller role, but when you put him out there, he doesn't necessarily do poorly. Like he he can make shots, he can cut, he can defend. Uh, that's what he is at his ceiling. We're gonna see if he gets an opportunity to hit that, but I expect him to play uh, next year. I really do. Vlaco's kind of harder to place. Uh, we didn't really see a lot of Vlako Chanchar this year. I liked what he did in the Magnificent Seven game. He was kind of the seventh guy. Uh, he was the guy off the bench when Jokic had to get a rest. He was the guy who came in and played as the five, actually. And I thought that was a really interesting role for him because he he is big enough to play that role against bench bigs. And he sets hard screens. He did a lot of glue guy stuff. Uh, not necessarily a great shooter, but if he had the opportunity to get comfortable, I think he could be a good shooter. Um, but that's all the data that we really have from him. He didn't play a lot in the G League. He didn't play a lot in the NBA. So we're going to have to see with him, but I, I'm a little bit more skeptical of him than I am of Bates Diop. Bull Bull, he's, he's been making a splash in Orlando. Uh, people are really excited to see him, and it's it's clear to see why. He is still raw in terms of basketball IQ and, and being ready for the NBA, but his physical tools are absurd. Seven foot two, seven foot nine wingspan, can shoot the ball like anybody's business. Like he, he may be the best shooter on the team. It's it's honestly possible with the touch that he has, with his ability to generate shots for himself. Uh catch and shoot, he can drive, he can handle. Uh, he has a lot of talent. And I think it's very clear that if, if he could shoot 35% from three or better, block some shots, he would have a role on this team as soon as next year. They don't need a lot from the backup center position. And he could be that guy. He, he could honestly be a guy who, while Jokic isn't necessarily the best shooter from the outside, he does have some gravity there. If Bull Bull is out there, he could have a lot of gravity. If he's a guy who you feel like can catch and shoot and he's a dangerous 40% guy, or he's a guy that if you leave open for just a second, you know he's knocking it down, that could really hurt opposing teams. And it could it could be just what the Nuggets need in the minutes without Jokic is to give them an opportunity to score just as many points playing a different system, playing in a, a slightly different way than what they normally do. Um, I think he's going to get some opportunity. Uh, whether he's physically capable of being able to do these things is another story, but I would love to see him play some games while down here. He deserves it. He's been a good soldier. They've talked about his his good attitude, uh, his willingness to try, his willingness to do the things that are asked of him. That's important from a young guy who was a very high-profile player, but he just wants to get back on the court and play basketball. If he's willing to do those things, if he's willing to make an effort, then the Nuggets are going to have to see what he can do at some point. It would be cool to see him in a couple of these exhibition games, uh, just like Katowicz Diop, just like Vaco, uh, just like P.J. Dozier, who just signed a long-term deal. He's still in this category because he's still somewhat outside of the rotation, uh, when the Nuggets play their main guys, he's definitely not a part of that. I think he's the most likely player in this group to be in the main rotation next year. Uh, he's good. He'll look better statistically in a regular role. 
I think that he has a lot of great defensive potential and that if he continues to have that role, the Nuggets are going to want to play him more and more because he's going to be defending guys really well. I like what he does. I like how bothersome he can be. I like how switchable he is. He could probably guard one through three, except for the big small forwards for the most part. But I really like what I've seen from him. I think he's great. And as a South Carolina guy, it's it's hard not to be biased, but he's all like I, I, I really do think that he has a role on this team as soon as next season. Final thing for this category. Our, our final category that we'll talk about before another break is the contract guys. These are the guys that are in the main rotation. They're, they're rotation contributors, but they could be gone after the bubble playoffs for one for one reason or another because they really only have one more one more year on their deals. Uh, Jeremy Grant is a player option. Paul Millsap, he is an unrestricted free agent. Mason Plumley and Tory Craig are also both unrestricted free agents. Uh, that's a big deal. Those guys are a part of what Denver wants to do, the culture that they've built. They've brought in guys around Nikola Jokic, around Jamal Murray, who really prioritize defense, who really do the little things, who are hustle guys. Uh, to have all of those guys up for contract, I think is a it's a really unique thing that the Nuggets have here because they may be able to pick and choose who they want to bring back, um, and they may they may have to pick and choose because if the cap goes down next season, then the Nuggets aren't going to have a lot of wiggle room to play with with regard to the the contracts that they can throw out there. So, of those four, they may only be able to bring back two. They may choose to bring back only one. Uh, I very much doubt that they'll bring back all four. And that's a, that's a tough thing to hear for fans that think that this particular team is a championship-caliber team just with a few changes. It doesn't normally work like that. Um, I've talked about Jeremy Grant at length. I think very highly of him, his fit in Denver going forward. He wasn't great at the beginning, but he really did improve as the season went on, as his role grew larger with the team. He wasn't just a backup power forward at that point. He was the starting power forward for a stretch. He was rotating in as the backup center when Mason Plumley went down. Uh, he was guarding Kawhi Leonard and other big wings and forwards in Denver's tough matchups. Luka Doncic comes to mind. LeBron James comes to mind. He didn't have as much success against LeBron, but very few people do. Um, and I think that if the Nuggets played that series seven times, I think he would actually... He would, he would get a little bit more comfortable going up against a guy like LeBron. He just doesn't usually have to deal with that matchup. Um, I really like what he can do. I've, I've talked about it at length. I think that as the NBA continues to move towards players like Jeremy Grant, like Michael Porter Jr., uh, those guys together are going to be a really unique combo. And teams aren't going to be able to deal with them on the offensive end and Defensively, I think they they cover each other's weaknesses reasonably well. Millsap is a he's a different beast altogether. Um, he had a really really strong beginning of the year. When he returned, though, he wasn't as effective. The Nuggets weren't as effective with him on the floor. The numbers bear this out. I don't want to get into them too much, but the net rating with Millsap on the floor at the beginning of the year was extremely high. And when he came back, the Nuggets were net neutral, pretty much. 
it's not a great sign. Um, but it is a good sign that with this break, he should be refreshed. He should be good. Uh, the Nuggets should be comfortable playing him. Uh, they should play him probably 30 minutes a night most of the time. Uh, he averaged about 25 minutes a night this year. He's probably going to bump that up to 30-32 in the playoffs. And the Nuggets are going to need that. He's a good player, and that that clearly isn't lost on anybody. Um, I think there will be situations where he needs to sit. But like any role player, that's kind of how it is. It's it's just like he has to provide what he can provide, and the Nuggets, if if they can't figure it out beyond that, that's more more or less on them. Um, Mason Plumley, I think, is the guy on this list who's most in danger of not playing a major role in the playoffs and then being let go. Um, the Nuggets are going to be in the situation where they have to figure out any way they can to match up with some of these top teams. And if they're playing against the Houston Rockets, I, I don't know what the Nuggets do with Mason Plumlee on the roster. I, it's going to be hard, but the Rockets don't play any bigs. So having Mason Plumlee to counter with size, it doesn't make that much sense. And then on the other end, like it, it would be different if Plumlee was a guy who could take advantage in the post and on the interior, but he's he's somebody who doesn't really. Uh, the Nuggets are going to need to play a more perimeter-based game, and, and that's just not his M.O. Um, but he could change that. He could change that narrative. If the Nuggets do have a team that, that they're facing in the playoffs where he matches up well, uh, he could be a major difference maker. And I would like to see what he can do, kind of anchoring a defense a little bit. If his rotations are great, if he's crisp, if he doesn't foul, if he rebounds the ball well. That'll be big for him. It'll be big for his ability to get a contract next year. That everybody should want him to play well. Everybody should want him to perform as well as he possibly can. Um, lastly, Tory Craig. I'm going to throw out some numbers here. Don't think too much of this, but it was just something that I wanted to throw out because I looked it up. Since January 1st, uh, Torrey Craig played 27 games. He averaged about 21 minutes a night. So he was a significant part of what the Nuggets were doing. Um, since that time, no five-man lineup that Craig has been a part of uh, that played 50-plus minutes together was a positive in net rating. There were only a couple, but none of those lineups were good. Uh, the same can be said about no four-man lineups, no three-man lineups, and only one two-man lineup was positive with Be with Beasley and Craig. And Malik Beasley's gone. Um, Craig's net rating while on the floor in this post-January one time period was minus 5.5. It's not all his fault. He shot 37% from three during that stretch. He was solid. Uh, he always plays solid defense. But the Nuggets, they just haven't performed well with him on the floor. Uh, this has been a trend going back the last couple of years is that the impact that he makes individually, it doesn't necessarily reflect the team-wide impact. He had the lowest offensive rating on the team post-Jan 1, uh, the highest defensive rating of, of any rotation player during that same stretch. Uh, it's, it's not The numbers are not kind. They, they just they do not like him at all. And I... I my feelings on Craig are, are very, uh, I think they're out there at this point. 
I think that Porter gives them a new ceiling. I think that he's he's a guy who they need to figure out and has to play more consistently. And Craig, he could be a guy that plays a major role in stopping specific opponents, but making him a consistent part of the rotation is probably a mistake. Um, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. And it's too bad because I think he, he does have a role in this league. He definitely can be even a starter on some teams. I probably wouldn't make him a starter personally, but he is at least a bench role player uh, going forward in this league. And that, that like he has a great consistent role there. He defends a lot of the top players, uh, a lot of them. Uh, there's there's some data that, that the nylon calculus guys have put together. He has defended most of the opposing team's primary options more than almost any other player in the NBA. That's his role. He's the guy who shuts down the opposing team's star player or does what he can to do so. It's a tough role to play, and, and I don't think it, it's worked great for the Nuggets in that stretch, but... He's still a good player. They still have to keep that in mind. Um, But we're going to see if he can change that because he's going to play. There's no doubt. Michael Malone will definitely play him. Um, We're going to see just how much and whether that's effective. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about the last two categories, the long-term contributors and the the NBA standing and legacy category. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Final segment here. Uh, we've got six players left. We've already talked about 11 of them. Uh, last segment was on the free agency guys, so make sure to listen in onto that if you're interested. That's a that's a good segment to hear. Uh, but this last one, these, these last two are, are probably what most people came here to hear. Uh, the long-term contributors. The four guys that I have in this category are Gary Harris, Will Barton, Monte Morris, and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, MPJ has probably played the least, like he's definitely played the least of any of the long-term contributor types, but it's so clear that he's a long-term contributor piece at this point. Uh, I'm going to save him for last. We'll we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, Let's start with Gary Harris. Uh, He had the worst season of all of these guys, but I still think he projects well in Denver's future. As long as he shoots the three well, like he does have a role on this team. He's a lower usage guy. He defends the opposing team's point guard or their their lead primary playmaker. And he's done that really well. He's been very solid in that particular role. It's just that the offense dried up. If the offense gets rolling again and he keeps playing the same level of defense that he was, He's a completely different player. He he looks like a an elite fourth option in that case. The ideal role player to add to any championship contender and say, hey, this guy's going to play a major role for us, and we're going to win a championship because of those contributions. I think that that's still in the picture for him. However, the offense needs to come back. Uh, the three ball was was coming back. He was looking good. There's definitely an opportunity there for him to get that going, but it wasn't just the three. His shot profile was poor. Um, he wasn't finishing at the rim very well. He was taking a lot of floaters. 
Uh, that's never going to get the job done. If he shoots the three ball well, that helps. But he also has to continue being dangerous in that situation, and teams can't feel like, oh, we're just going to leave this guy and see what happens. Good teams leave the opposing team's fourth or fifth option, and if that fourth or fifth option isn't good enough to hit those shots consistently, then usually that's a good scenario for the defense. Um, The Lakers are going to do this if the Nuggets face them. The Clippers will do this if the Nuggets face them. Hell, the Rockets will do this. The Mavericks will do this. A lot of these teams, they're going to try and make Gary Harris be the one to beat them. Gary Harris has to respond. This is a great opportunity for him. I really do think that he can, if he has a bounce back, then he could be right back in the Nuggets starting lineup next year. Um, And that may be the best thing for the Nuggets themselves. Let's talk about Will Barton. Uh, He had a big bounce back season this year, but he still has a lot to prove in the bubble. Last year's playoff run was really tough for him. He's a major competitor, though, and he still fits well with what the Nuggets want in their starting lineup for different reasons than Gary Harris. But he's kind of the offensive version of what the Nuggets need from Gary uh, in terms of kind of a secondary playmaker, uh, somebody who can... When the when the play breaks down, he can go isolation and get a bucket. When the when he's within the flow of the offense, he can operate that, hits threes, uh, makes passes for others, really plays the part well. Uh, I've really liked what I've seen from Will Barton this year, but I like him more as a two than as a three, uh, for obvious reasons. Because the Nuggets are going to face these teams where the threes are just a lot bigger, and they're usually really good. Guys like Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. We've run through the names before. This has not changed. Um, let's just say the Nuggets stick with Will Barton at the three in that scenario. If he defends those guys reasonably well, and the Nuggets are able to outscore the opposition while he's on the floor, good for them. I'd be surprised. I don't think it's going to work that way. I think that when you ask Kawhi Leonard to defend Will Barton, Barton's probably going to be a little bit less impactful on the offensive end. And I just don't know what the Nuggets do with Will Barton defending Kawhi. Uh, that may be unkind. I, I don't think it is. I think it's just facts. Like, think you're, you're just in that situation where you have to look yourself in the eye and say, hey, this isn't going to work. Uh, but you can't do that until you try it. I really, I do believe that. Uh, but could Will Barton be the future at the shooting guard position? Very well could be. Uh, Gary Harris is also going to be competing for that spot. Uh, Those two guys are entrenched in Denver's long-term plans, and it would be a surprise if either of them was moved. But at this point, with Michael Porter Jr. coming up quickly, with, with the Nuggets kind of moving into that next stage of championship contention, where they feel like they're championship contenders, but the first thing hasn't worked, those guys may be the thing that changes. Uh, it's it's just kind of speculation on this part, but I would I would expect that to be the case. Monte Morris is another guy who is in this category. He's been a consistent contributor the last couple of years. Uh, he will be in the last year of his deal next season, and he still has a lot to prove. He, he's been solid in the regular season both years. Uh, definitely had a, a slide this past year. Wasn't as effective as he was in the previous season, but the previous season was kind of an outlier. He was shooting 
way too well from the mid-range. Uh, he's probably somewhere in between those two contributions going forward, and, and that level of player is definitely somebody the Nuggets want in their future. The problem is that he's going to cost a lot of money. And because the Nuggets have already committed to Jamal Murray, because they just signed P.J. Dozier to the Monte Morris special, the Nuggets may not feel that they have to keep Morris. They may feel that they can get by without him. And they may be right. They may, We don't know. We haven't been in that situation. Morris has basically played every single game for the Nuggets for the past two seasons. He struggled in the playoffs last year. He's got that monkey off his back, or he, he needs to get that monkey off his back going forward. If he performs poorly in the playoffs this year, that's a that's a trend. Uh, that would be really tough to see. If he performs well, then maybe the Nuggets really do have to free up some some cap space for him because he may be an essential member of their team, and we just don't know it quite yet. Um, I think he's going to play well. I don't know how well he's going to shoot. I think there are going to be some teams that really take advantage of his size, uh, kind of like Barton. But we're going to see. We're gonna we're gonna see it all. Uh, and lastly, Michael Porter Jr. in this category as a long term contributor. I think he's the guy that is the most likely long term contributor in this group. He will get an opportunity at some point. The Nuggets are going to hope that he runs with that opportunity and that he plays well. Um. That opportunity may not be immediate. Uh, the Nuggets may try to go status quo. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if at the beginning of these games he's on the bench and he's not expected to play. Um, Michael Malone said last last uh, media session on Sunday night that keeping things simple is probably the best way for the Nuggets to progress right now. Uh, well, the simplest thing to do is to just do what they were doing before, or at least try to get as close to what they were doing before as they can. That means that they're going to use the same starting lineup. Uh, Monte Morris and Jeremy Grant will be the primary guys coming off the bench. Uh, Mason Plumlee will play backup five minutes. Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. will be the guys who split the backup wing minutes. I don't know if that's the best way to do this. I actually definitely do not think that's the best way to do this, but that is definitely the simplest thing to do from a rotation perspective. Now, from a schematic perspective, keeping things simple may be really helpful for Porter. If the Nuggets don't call any plays, if they just try to put everybody in the best position to score and defend as possible by keeping things simple then maybe Porter's the guy that you want out there because he seems like a player that if you just roll the ball out on the court, he could go get buckets any which way he wanted to. Um, that may be wrong, and we may see that. We may see him struggle in a playoff environment. We may struggle to see him operate in a COVID environment, in, in this bubble, where we don't know what anybody's going to do. We kind of just assume on these things, but we don't really know. But... I think he's going to get an opportunity at some point. The Nuggets know how important he is. They know how he may change things long-term for them going forward. Uh, he may jump into this next category uh, going forward, and, and that's the guys who are really looking to build on their legacy, really looking to build on their standing around the league. Um, but he also may not play. Like Porter is going to be in this really 
uh, polarizing situation where the if he plays and the Nuggets play well, it will be because of him. If if he doesn't play and the Nuggets lose, then it'll be because he didn't play. Um, if he plays and he struggles, then it's just because he's a rookie. So uh, it's it's the dialogue or surrounding him is going to be pretty contentious. I know that it's going to be tough. Gotta keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. Last two guys I want to talk about are in the NBA standing and legacy category. Uh, these are the guys that don't really have money on the line. They don't have a future team role to worry about. It's more about them building their legacy and their standing. Maybe not for Jokic, but definitely for Murray. He wants to continue to prove that he deserves a high standing in this league. That he's one of the best players in the NBA. He wants to be one of the best players ever. Well, last week... Jamal Murray was ranked as the 47th best player by Bleacher Report. I can make an argument that he deserves to be higher, but I can't make an argument that he deserves to be much higher. That top 35 category is kind of approaching the all-star caliber guys. Um, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant haven't played. There are other guys like Victor Oladipo, who's barely played, that probably deserves to be in that general vicinity as well. Um... But the closer you get to that top 30, the top 35, uh, that's all-star. Murray's not there yet. Um, he's just not quite at that point. It's very possible that in these playoffs he could prove to be an all-star caliber player. But it, ju- it, it would need to happen. It would need to progress. That's something that's on the line. Uh, Murray has been very focused. He knows that he has to get better. He knows what he has to do to get better, I think. Uh, He recently discussed in an interview uh, that he has to stop thinking too much and he has to be more confident in his three and and be willing to fire from three even when he's not necessarily super open. He has to be confident in the player that he is. Well, that's all great. It's something I've been preaching for the last couple of years, but it's about putting it into practice. It's about showing that you're more than just what you say. Uh, proving it out on the court. That's something that Murray thrives on. Uh, He averaged 21 points, four rebounds, four assists in the playoffs last year. If he matched or exceeded those numbers, if he put up better efficiency, more consistency this year, that's a great step in the right direction for him. I like that. I think that he's he's had a career so far where people just don't really know exactly where he's at where they think they know he where he's at, but they, they may not. Uh, I think that he can be the second best player on a championship team. Uh, if you ask Murray, I think he could be the best player. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that don't share my belief, that don't share my confidence in what he can grow into. And I, I do understand where their points are coming from. He has to continue to grow. He has to continue to be better than what he's been and to continue to progress. To progress. We're going to see whether that happens. The last guy, uh, the guy who's not currently in the bubble, but we're going to see if he is. Uh, We're going to see where he's at with this. It's Nikola Jokic. In that same top 100 ranking by Bleacher Report, he was ranked as the sixth overall player ahead of guys like Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, uh, right behind Luka Doncic. I think you can make an argument for flip-flopping those guys too. Um, but that's really high praise and we 
continue to talk about Jokic being one of the greats, one of the best players in the NBA, well, this is the time for him to prove it. Uh, Praise like that also comes with the expectations of playing like that, being that level of guy in the playoffs. Can he be the best player on a championship caliber team? That's the question that a lot of people are asking. I think he can be. I've always thought he can be. I think that he proved that last year. I think he's proven that over the last couple of years. But we're going to see. He's had these situations where he's he's played well against a team like the Clippers. He struggled against a team like the Lakers. Um, with him coming back with a coronavirus or with a positive coronavirus test a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, this was a few weeks ago now. Uh, he's also been deemed skinny Jokic. Uh, he's definitely one of the most interesting players heading into this bubble environment for sure. Um, but can he be the best player in a playoff series against Utah and Oklahoma City? Probably against Houston and Dallas. I think that's 50 50. Um, whether it's Russell Westbrook or James Harden, uh, Jokic has a really strong matchup there where he gets to face PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, guys like that. Um, he has an opportunity to put up major numbers in that series, but so do the other guys. So do the stars. Can Jokic prove to be better than those guys? We'll see. Can he pre- can he prove to be better than Luka Doncic in a series? We'll see. He'll have to go up against Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Dwight Powell should be healthy and back. Uh, Maxi Kleba. Uh, some of the, the Dallas Mavericks bigs. Boban. Like... He'll have his hands full with those guys. He still has to prove that he's better than Luka uh, because the best player in, in the series, tech, it usually wins the series for that team. Uh, so if he's better than 50-50 against Houston and Dallas, then the Nuggets may be able to win those series. Uh, if you ask a lot of NBA pundits, the Nuggets should be underdogs in that kind of series. But if Jokic proves to be better than Harden, better than Doncic, That's a big deal. Against the Clippers and the Lakers, I don't really expect it. I think that you reach another tier when you talk about the top three. You talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. You talk about LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, of course. Those guys are all proven. Those guys are all solid. I think it's it's definitely unlikely that those guys are worse than Jokic in a playoff series. Um... But if any of those matchups yields a different result from what I talked about, it will be a big story for Jokic, uh, whether it's positive or negative. If he was better than Kawhi Leonard in a Clippers series and the Nuggets advanced to the Western Conference Finals, that's a big deal. If he's worse than Chris Paul or Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell in a series against Utah or OKC, that's a big deal. Um, but we're going to see, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you sticking around with me. If you stuck around this long, uh, this has been good. We're going to get some more info going forward after Tuesday's practice. Hopefully we hear some positive stuff about Nikola Jokic and some of the other Nuggets players who are coming back. Uh, would love to hear about more Nuggets in the bubble. That would be a great thing for the Nuggets just to get everybody through that process. We're going to see what happens. Looking forward to when it does. Make sure to check out Quentin Alberti on Twitter as well as uh, his new 
work on Denver Stiffs when that comes around. And I'm really excited to see it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you guys on Friday.